Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. started. Can you open up your Bibles as we get started to Genesis 22? And I want to, I want to um, start with something there. Genesis 22. Everyone say thank you for our band who, who comes up here and just pours out. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, band. Hallelujah. If you're on, in Genesis 22, can, can you say amen? And I'll just get started. Genesis 22. You should have your Bibles and maybe a notebook and a pen for church. It'll be a good um, moment to take notes. Amen? If you are taking notes today, go ahead and write this down for me. And for yourself, really, write this down. Um, Responding looks like surrender. Go ahead and write that down. Responding looks like surrender. Responding looks like surrender. Um, Last week, we had a message and it was titled, Responding Looks Like. And this has taken on its own theme and its own series, but we looked at responding looks like, and um, we went into a whole bunch of things, but we ended with four things that God was stirring in my heart, and we said responding looks like surrender. I wonder if you guys know the other three. Responding looks like growth, good. Responding looks like rejection, and responding looks like hope. So what I want to do is, um, I, w- I want to continue to look at those things and not necessarily fly by them, maybe that's what you felt I did last Sunday, but I, I want to kind of just sit on them a little bit longer. And today I just want to spend time looking at responding looks like surrender, looks like surrender. Um, if you remember last Sunday, I said, you know, when you get, when, when the police pull someone over or when there's someone that they catch, the, the first response we see, right, is they lift up their hands. And that's, a, that's an interesting sign, I said last Sunday, I said, because that could be a sign of many things, but I said one of the greatest ways of describing that is the chase is over. The chase is over. And, and I, believe, um, I believe that's exactly what God wants. He wants us to stop running away from and just continue to run towards him. And that we would say the chase is over. My life is a life of arms raised, total surrender, that the chase is over. How many of you know that the Lord chased you first, okay, before you ever chased him? You might have thought that you chased him first, but the truth is uh, the scripture does not show us that. The Holy Spirit led you to the Lord, and the Lord is leading you to the Father. And and I, I want you to know that he chased you first. And I believe in return now... He's calling us to respond to what? To chasing him now for the rest of our lives. Hallelujah. I, I want to look at Genesis and I want to look at the life of Abraham with you guys and just study it. I'm not going to be bouncing around too much today. I'm just going to flow through the life of Abraham as, as God was kind of, sh- kind of showing me some things about Abraham's story and his life. A, a quick recap of Abraham is it's, I don't want to give too much away, but, but there's so, actually there's so much of Abraham that we could speak of. And we know that Abraham was called from the Lord, and he was called from the Lord to separate and to go to a place where he knew not of and to remove himself from everything he knew. 
And now it was Abraham's job to whether, whether I was going to be obedient to this or not. And Abraham had to make a decision for himself. Will I, will I respond in obedience or will I not? And if you study the life of Abraham, he was a man of many flaws. He was a man who actually sinned. Okay, a man who was not perfect at all. We see his sins in the Bible. And, um, and, and, and he did. He, he, he sinned. I mean, he lied and he almost had his, him and his wife, his wife killed. I mean, it was, he was a little bit of a, of a disaster at times. And I'm sure many of us can relate to Abraham, just like we can relate to many other patriarchs in the Bible. And, and how yet God had such a grace, such a love for them, yet in their mess. Abraham was one of them. But yet there was something special about Abraham. And, and I, what I want you to get today from all the things that we could speak on about Abraham's life is I want you to really catch the snapshots of a life that was in total surrender. And his response constantly to God was a response of surrender. And, and that's what I want to talk to you today about. Responding looks like surrender. Can you say that with me? Good, you said it for me. Responding looks like surrender. That's awesome. I want to start off in Genesis 22. I'm going to read actually just verse 2 for a moment. This is at a point of his life where he leaves the land that he knew of. We'll talk about, we'll mention that land in a moment. And he goes to a land of, of the unknown. And, and now he's, God is calling him to do something pretty um, extreme. And let's read this for a moment. Genesis 22 2 says this. Then he said, meaning the Lord, Yahweh, he says... Take now, your, <clears throat> take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I wanted to start off here because it's so drastic, it's so extreme, and it's actually very scary being a father. Because I look at this and I said, okay, this is what God told Abraham. <laughs> And I like to put myself in people's shoes in the Bible when I read it. Like I like to say, what would I do? What is God saying? What would he be saying to me? What, what, you know, I like to kind of plug, who likes to plug themselves in the scripture to see? All right. So what would I do with my son if the Lord said, go to that mountain and offer him there as a burnt offering? <laughs> that's, that's, it's a very intense command. It's a very intense call that God is calling him to. So so when you read this, I mean, it's not, don't get it just, oh, don't, don't make it just like a story. Like, oh, yeah. It's, like, this really happened to a father. This really happened to a son. Like, my dad's going to put me on an altar as a burnt offering, and I'm going to put my son as an offering on a burnt altar. Like, I, I don't want you to forget that. And I know we've, we've, we've taught on this story, but I want you to really catch some things today. So, so here's Abraham, and you might see this, this verse. <clears throat> Take your son, your only son. We'll get to that in a moment because you and I know if you study the life of Abraham, this is not his only son. He, he, he actually has a firstborn. He has another son, but he's out of the picture. Take Isaac, and this is the one whom you love. Go to the land and set him up as an offering. And I read this, and maybe you read this today. And we might see this as the Lord tempting Abraham. The Lord is tempting Abraham, man. And, and, and maybe we could relate to this, not to this extreme of sacrificing your children. 
So don't come to me tomorrow and say, I think the Lord called me into a lifestyle of Abraham to sacrifice my child. That's diabolical. Okay, we can have a whole study about how that's not for today. Don't do that. But maybe you could relate where the Lord has put something in your path to see how you would handle it. And maybe we would look at those things as, why is the Lord tempting me? Why is the Lord tempting Abraham when it should not be seen like that at all? Instead, we could say, it's the Lord that is testing Abraham. And maybe it's the Lord who is actually testing me. We need to be very careful that we don't confuse tempting for testing. Okay, tempting for testing. The Lord may test us, but he won't tempt you in evil. So, so we look at Genesis 22 too, and we know that there's an Isaac that is going to be placed as a burnt offering. And we think about, wait a minute, but there was another son, Ishmael, who was his firstborn. But now he's out of the picture. He's gone. He ran away. And Abraham finds himself with Isaac, who now is his only son. Ishmael is no longer there. So Isaac is actually very special to Abraham. And I, I really, I mean, to tell you all the reasons why, but for so many reasons, Isaac is, is special to Abraham. I would say one of the greatest reasons is because he's old of age. And he knows he's probably not going to have any more kids. This one was a miracle in itself. So this one he treated with caution. This one he treated with everywhere he went, his eyes were on him. Him and his wife were What's you know constantly on their son, these parents that put their child in a bubble, and, and that's how that's how he probably was with them. Like, oh my goodness, I can't let him. I can't, don't beat the air. You might get. And that's how they were. This is my only son, so they had to treat. I'm guessing that's one of the main reasons, but there was also other reasons because he remembered that there were moments that God spoke to him specifically about this son. Through this son, something massive, something great. Something powerful is going to come out of him. From his seed, if you just follow the lineage from Abraham, Isaac, from Isaac, Jacob, from Jacob, the 12 tribes, from Israel, and we'll have the Messiah, and we'll have a whole bunch of others come from this lineage. So you see this story in Genesis, and, 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 not, <clears throat> and for you to study on your own, in Genesis 12 specifically, take, if you're taking notes, write that down. In Genesis 12, there was... A divine promise, write that. A divine promise. It was, it was a pact, a promise that God made with Abraham. It was, a, it was a, an oath, a, a, an agreement that, that God made with Abraham. And, and this is what it sounds like. Just so you could get an idea of what's happening here. Just follow with me. The Lord tells Abraham, you're going to be, a, listen, you're going to be a great nation. Abraham is by himself with his crew. You're going to be a great nation. Mind you, I'm 100 years old. You're going to be a great nation. I'm going to bless you, the Lord tells him. I'm going to make your name great. At this age, now you're going to make my name great? Your offspring will be blessed. That's what some of, from your offspring will come something great. So, so these are so many different things that were said to Abraham all the way in Genesis 12. So all of this, God was telling him, would be given to him. What's going to be given to him? Great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. Your children and your children's children would be blessed. All of this, Abraham, I'm going to give it to you. 
But for me to give this to you, there's something else. And he tells Abraham, you need to leave your land. You need to leave your father's land. You need to leave your family. You need to leave all that you know. And trust me in this, that what I'm speaking to you will come to pass. But you need to remove yourself from all that you know. I mean, how many of us remember this story? Not many, many? <clears throat> so hopefully we remember this. But it's very interesting as we just kind of get into the introduction of this. It's interesting that, that from the beginning of God and Abraham's relationship, I want you to know that, that you don't just have a relationship with God. I want you to know that God also has a relationship with you. Uh, you guys understand that? Has, amen. Has, <laughs> from the mouth of babes, hallelujah. But you've probably been through, gone through something, you said that was of God. Or the Lord said that, or the Lord moved that. Or the Lord did this, whatever. And, and that's part of his relationship with you. So we, re, we remember this story. And it's interesting that from the beginning of God and Abraham's relationship, we see Abraham had to respond. From the beginning of his relationship with God. Hey, you enjoyed this encounter. Welcome to this relationship. Now I'm going to teach you what responding looks like. We, we see it from the beginning. And we'll see this soon in, in James, that his response, Abraham's response, would be based on his faith. And his response through his faith is always seen as an image of surrender. I'm going to say that again so you can write this down in your notes. Abraham's response through faith was always seen as an image of surrender. So here's a question for you as I was studying and reading his life Talking about Abraham. How do you walk away from all that you know? How do you walk away from all that you love, all that you've worked hard for, to something else that you have not even physically seen yet, that you don't even know if it's even there? Remember, Abraham had no idea of these things that God is talking about, but yet God told it to him. So how do you walk away from everything that you are comfortable in? How do you walk away from everything you know, from everything that, is, that, that, that you can find security in to something your eyes have never, you've never laid eyes on, to something you've never seen or touched. You don't even know if it's really even there. You're told that where you're going is, gonna be, is going to be way better. But you have no idea what that even means. You, you're, you're told that it's going to be way better, that you're going to be great. Listen, that your kids will benefit as well. And, 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 and also your kids will be promised to be great as well. And your name will be great and well known for ages. But all you know, being Abraham, is a small town that you love in what is modern day Iraq called Ur. All I know is this land right here in Iraq called Ur. And you want me to pack my bags and go to a place that I have no idea how to even get there. Never met someone from there. I don't even understand what that looks like. How does someone like Abraham do this? Well, I started to think about the life of Abraham. 
And I said, well, it's the same thing in my life and it's the same thing in your life. It's the same thing in our lives. We've encountered God. He calls us to live by faith and surrender all rights and claims to this world. And if you respond with faith in total surrender, there is promise to us another land, another world, a whole other kingdom that we belong to. How many of you say, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world? You've never even seen that world, but you claim it like it's yours. I do. And then I quote scripture, you know, streets of gold and rivers. <laughs> I mean, that's what scripture says. I don't know. We talk about the throne room here a lot. I, we talk about the beast and the, and the angels that are there. And I claim that as mine. It's my world that I belong to. That, that, that my citizenship, scripture says, is in there. God is like, I'm stripping you, Abraham, from your land, but your citizenship and the citizenship of your children, it's in a whole other land I'm giving them. I mean, milk flows there. The fruit from the trees there are so rich. So if we respond with faith and total surrender, there is also promise to us another land, another world, a whole other kingdom, that, that where we're going is going to be way better. How many of you can say Amen. And not only will it be way better, you're going to be so much better there. Because the Bible does say that you will be in your form of glorification. You will not be in a perishing body. Actually, every tear is wiped away from your eye. You in his kingdom are, are at a such better place and you are a such better being. <laughs> so, so just like Abraham, I'm going to be great even there. I'm going to be well known for ages for the works that I've done for my king. Yes, my life will echo in eternity for the things that we've done here on earth. It is, it is all said about us. Our lives are actually very related to Abraham's life. His stuff was happening here on earth. God spoke, has spoken the same word to us, but that whole conversation is a whole spiritual, divine, different world that God has given us an entrance to. It's crazy. So, so Abraham, back to Abraham. I know I called you out of a life that you loved, a place of comfort that you loved, to a place promised that will be way better for you and for so many others that are attached to you. But yet now in this journey, the call to respond continues. How many of you know that when you accepted Christ, you responded to that call. But how many of you have walked such time with God already that you know that that wasn't your final response to God? How many of you have lived with the Lord for enough time to recognize that it's a constant responding to the Lord that I'm giving to him? So... Abraham, I know I called you out of a life that you love, a place of comfort that you love, to a place promised that will be way better for you and for so many others attached to you. Yet now, in this journey, the call to respond continues. So here now comes something else. You've ever been in life and you're like, what else? Come on. Have you ever said this to the Lord? What else, Lord? And if you say no, you're probably lying. You've ever gone through so much that you're like, what else can happen today? He's like, I just want to see if you're going to respond again. 
What else can happen now? Let me see if you... So, so in this journey, Abraham, the call to respond continues. So here comes something else. And this something else is a little more serious than leaving your father's land and all that you loved. It's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it up a notch now, Abraham. So what does, it, what does the something else sound like? Come on, go back to that same verse. Follow along with me. Eyes, if you don't have your Bible, up here, back to that verse 2. Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land Moriah, you've never, right? And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I'll send you. How many of you would say that is more extreme than saying leave the land that you love? Abraham, as his maturity deepens with the Lord, so is the depth of what I'm going to confront you with to see if you really know me when I confront you, to see if the same way you lifted up your arms and surrendered when it was a little bit easier, to see if you fall in so much deeper in love with me on this side of the journey that when I present something that's a little bit tougher to you, well, in the same fashion that you raised your hand and surrendered over there, will you now at this part of your life, will you also be devoted to me and respond back to me with arms open saying, even in this, Lord, I surrender. If I left my family years ago and if I left the land years ago and you're calling me to put my son on the altar today, even in this will I obey you. Why would he do that? Because it's a life of obedience through a lifestyle of surrender. Take your son, Isaac, your only son. I mean, I'm thinking Abraham would have said, God, why didn't he tell me to get Ishmael? I mean, I hope not. I really hope not. I really hope not. We could delete that on the podcast, but hopefully. I mean, maybe I would have said that. Ishmael, not Isaac. And for you parents that think like that, shame on you. Love every single one of them. <clears throat> but it was Isaac. Because I know that, that this surrender is going to speak different. And put them as a burnt offering. What does a burnt offering mean? If you never, I mean, it's, it, it is laid out for you. But if you did not know this, it literally means totally subdued in fire. So now like the whole Isaac illustration is a whole lot worse. Because not only am I just going to spike him. But he's going to also burn up. It's pretty extreme. Come on. Again, again, again. You might see this as the Lord tempting Abraham. But I want you to take your eyes off of that. And I want you to see it instead as the Lord testing Abraham. So what do I believe? Why, why am I sharing this? Because I believe the Lord is calling you. Just like he's calling me. He's calling us to a greater response. Greater than ever. And to bring that. Maybe it's. Oh, no, I'm not going to say. And, and to bring that great response out from you. It might have to come. From the place of your greatest discomfort. 
I don't think Abraham was comfortable with placing Isaac on the... <laughs> I feel so good about this one. I believe that God caught him at the place of his greatest discomfort. Because I believe that there's some people in here right now that are uncomfortable with, with what you know God is calling you to. And maybe that, that discomfort that you're in is actually God saying, I'm going to use that discomfort to bring forth and bring out from you a greater response unto me. What does it look like? I surrender. And it's not because he's tempting you. But maybe he's just testing that area. Why would he do that? Because he wants to know, are you still here? Come on, are you still here? Are you still here? Are you still as serious when you first answered me on that day when you said, Lord, here I am, send me. <laughs> Can I increase the fire in your heart by calling you to respond to me from a deeper place. And a deeper place in your life may be called discomfort, not knowing, confusion, pain, hurt. We could go down the list. But are you still here? Has the surrender in which you first started this walk with, has that surrender deepened? Has it deepened? Does responding to me still look like full surrender unto me? I don't know if you guys are understanding this. This is the stuff that happens in my brain right here. Like, Lord, why do I feel the way that I feel? Because I want to know if your surrender to me is, goes past your feelings. How many are feely kind of people like me? Just all kinds of feels. And the Lord in all your feels is still saying, I'm just checking on you to see if you still got it in you. If there's still a, a response in you. Have you given in the towel or will you continue to go deeper in responding to me of a lifestyle of total surrender of it sounds better today than it did 20 years ago. Lord, here I am. Send me. And it sounds better when I was when I'm 36 than when, it, when I was 15. It sounds better because at 36, I've gone through things in my 15s and in my, in my 20s and in my early 30s now that I could tell you when I say, Lord, send me, here I am. It comes from a deeper place. It, it comes from a place where it's been hurt. It comes from a place where there's been pain. It comes from a place where I've been tested. And when I say now at 37 years old, soon to be in a couple months, Lord, I'm still here. Send me like I said it when I was 16 years old. I believe it's a greater cry than when I was at 16 because I've experienced, I've experienced mountains and I've experienced pain and I've experienced heartache just like some of you. And God wants to know, hey, 15, 20 years later, do you still got it in you to surrender one more time?
Because on the journey with Christ, we're good at picking up stuff again. So there's a constant thing that God confronts us with that says, surrender it again. We're good at picking up stuff again. Bad habits again. Bad relationships again. Bad attitudes again. Come on. You know you were on fire when you first got saved and you began to preach to the whole world. But now someone cuts you off and you're sticking the finger out and cursing. What happened to the fire that burned in you? when Because you picked up things around the journey with Christ. I'm telling you it happens to all of us. So there's a constant push in your life to see if you got it in you, will you respond one more time? Abraham, I saw what you did at Ur, but I want to know what you do now with your son. You trusted me without a son, but will you trust me now with your son? Responding looks like, a, looks like surrender. Are you still here? Come on. How many of you hear the Lord say, are you still here? Still here? Still here? And if you're saying, yeah, because you're hearing the Lord say you're still here, it might be he's calling you yet again to respond and surrender. Are you still as serious when you answered me that day when you said, Lord, here I am, send me. So many things I want to say, so many stories I want to bounce to. Because I see every single person in the Bible who have gone through this, went through this. Can I increase the fire in your heart by calling you to respond to me from a deeper place? Are you still here? Has the surrender in which you first started this walk with, has it deepened? Does responding to you still look like full surrender? Many of you said yes. If it's yes... Here it is. So don't confuse my testing with tempting. I'm calling you deeper. I'm calling you closer. I'm calling you. I'm calling more uncomfortable to show, to show you a lifestyle of responding in total surrender. Because your responding to me has to constantly look like a full surrender to me. I know this is true because James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by... God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God does not tempt anyone to do evil. But I will tell you this. He will test your commitment to see if you still got it. I'm not going to test you with evil, but I will test your commitment. Do you still got it? Will you still surrender? Why are you doing this? I'm just making sure the commitment is the same. I'm committed to you, so I want to see your commitment to me. What happens with Abraham's life? Not to leave you on a sad note, leave you on a good note. In Genesis 22, 9 through 13, Genesis 22, 9 through 13, 13 I'm going read it, to read it with me if you want. But look what happens with Abraham. So good. It says, then they came to the place of which God had told him, remember, Moriah? And Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood in order, 
And he bound Isaac, his son, and he laid him on the altar. He laid him upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11 is beautiful. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And his response is, here I am. I haven't moved. I'm so deep into this surrender that I'm about to go down on this thing. Abraham, Abraham, here I am. I'm thinking that Abraham, Abraham, on Mount Moriah, here I am. The response of here I am sounded so much different than Abraham, leave your land. Here I am. I believe that the response of Abraham on this mountain with his son ready to be slaughtered, I believe the response of here I am as a total sign of surrender is actually, is actually from a deeper place than when it was in the land of Ur. How many of you believe that with me? I do. Here I am. So then he said, do not lay your hand on the lad and don't do anything to him. And here is, I wasn't tempting you, not for once. Don't you ever think that I was tempting you, Abraham. I wanted to see if you still got it. Look what he tells him. Don't do anything to him. For now I know. I, I used to be a teacher. And I got to know a lot of my students very well. Some of them are very good, but many of them, I got to know them very well. And I knew when they cheated, and I let them get away with it many times. And then I knew when they didn't study. And I look at them and say, you didn't study. And they're like, oh, no, I didn't. It's Bible, Mr. Half. But in order for me to give them, in order for me to give them such a judgment, you didn't even study. Is because I needed to test them. I needed to test them to see if they surrendered themselves to the studying. And when they didn't, I, I, I automatically knew it. I knew when they cheated because the, the not so smartest in the class got the same one right and then that same one wrong that the smartest one in the class did. That's very odd. And they happened to sit right next to each other. That's very odd. It never goes well. Never goes well. So the Lord tells him, he says, don't lay your hand and don't do anything to him. But look what he says next. For now I know that you fear me. You have not withheld your son. And not, to say the least, not only your son, but your only son from me. Because God was almost telling Abraham, you know, you could have justified this thing. You could have said, well, you know, you did give me a promise. And if you're a man of your word, I'm going to have to be a... You did tell me that from my son is going to come a seed. So I figured, nah, he has to be kidding on that. I heard wrong. I could, have ju I could have justified the whole thing. And said, before you gave me a promise through this son. So now there's, there's no way that was really from God. I must have been hearing the flesh now. But since you've withheld your son, your only son, you have not withheld him, your only son from me. It says, then Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and there behind him, there was a ram that was caught in the thicket by its horns and Abraham went, he took the ram, he offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Who do you think was happier here? 
Abraham, his son. Ram. The poor ram. All you animal lovers. Don't you? There's a lot going on in this story. There's so much. There's so many avenues I want to take, but I'm trying to be very careful. Let's talk about Abraham. Let's, let's continue on this path. Ready? I want to read James, Jesus' brother. I want to read what he has to say about this stuff. So Jesus' half-brother says this. James chapter 2, verse 23 and 24. And the scripture was fulfilled. Oh, wait, are you guys there? I know it's up there. Cheaters, cheaters, you're sitting next to that. <laughs> and the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. This is beautiful what I'm about to read to you right now. And he, being Abraham, was called the, the friend of God. Verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Uh, real quick, before I share another trans translation with you, I want you to know what the word friend there in the Greek means. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. It's like philos, which is almost the word where we get phileo, but it's a little bit different. But watch this. That word in the Greek, it means kind of like an associate, but it goes deeper. One, one way of describing the word friend there is this. It's one who associates familiarly with familiarity. One who is considered a companion. One who is familiar to the one he's associating with. That, that right there means totally different. It, when God calls Abraham a friend of his, he calls him one who is familiar to him. One who is familiar to him. I want to read, before we go deeper in that, I want to read one translation. It says it this way, verse 23 and 24 says it this way. One translation says, so in this, this is the same book, James, okay, same passage, James 2. Look at this translation. So in the same way the scripture was fulfilled. Because Abraham believed God, his faith was exchanged for God's righteousness. Look at this, look at this. So he became known as the lover as the lover of God. That's awesome. So now it is clear that a person is seen as righteous in God's eyes, not merely by faith alone, but by his works. Faith, what is James teaching us through, through his book and through his chapter? Faith without works is dead. James is teaching us that, clearly. Faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dead. I mean, it goes together. Faith without response, without responding is dead. If there's a faith, there's a response to that faith, yes? So James tells us that he called Abraham a friend. And that wasn't the first time in the Old Testament that God called someone a friend. He also calls Moses his friend too. And here he is calling Abraham a friend. And it's not a friend who's just necessarily an associate. But it's a friend who has familiarity with him. Someone of a companionship with him. And, and this translation of passion says, it calls him the one who is known as a lover, as the lover of God. And I want you for a moment to imagine what it looks like to be in such familiarity with God, with such companionship with the Lord, 
that you could be recognized as one who is the lover of God? How familiar are you with God that you are considered the lover of God? That's, that's intense. How familiar are you with God that you are called the companion of God there? I want you to imagine what that looks like. I think about Peter and John in the book of Acts where they were recognized by the religious leaders as not necessarily at that moment walking with Jesus, but two men who had been with Jesus. They showed familiarity to the one whom they persecuted. And as they were walking, the one thing that they found familiar in Peter and John was Jesus. They took on Jesus as they were living on earth. Jesus in them. And when the religious leaders saw them, they said, man, these men are nothing to be considered of any worth. But yet they look like they're familiar with Jesus. I believe that the Lord is calling us to respond differently to him. And responding differently may be from a deeper place of surrender and the place of total surrender it may come at the purest form when it is burning in familiarity with the Lord and companionship and intimacy and what we've been talking about here in close proximity and closeness and in devotion to the Lord so so I'm going to end with with this and I guess maybe Isaiah could come up or something like that but but don't miss this because I feel like this is what God wants to drive this home in your heart and I want to leave you with this, that being familiar with him, familiarity with him, companionship with him, it has always been God's great call over our lives. From the beginning of creating us to the revelation of his son, Jesus Christ, there's always been a call for all mankind that I want you to, to live your life here on earth in the likeness of my son, Jesus Christ. And he reveals that all throughout scripture. Let's go to one passage and then, and then we'll close up after we're done reading these things. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, just to remind you. Look at the beginning. Look at the origin of the creation here. Verse 26 says, then God said, let us make man in what? In our image according to our likeness. I'm going to skip. Go to verse 27. So God created man in his own image in the what image of God he created him male and female he created them so from the old testament the origin of things he created man and woman and in creating them you are created now in my likeness in my form in my image while you walk and you cultivate the land and you live a life on this land that I'm giving you to govern over, I want you to be in my likeness, in my image, in my form, while here on earth. That was from the beginning of all things. So what does that mean in the New Testament? Well, it means the same thing, actually. Romans chapter 8, popular verse, we'll, we'll read verse 28 and then we'll go to 29. Paul says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He laid out the son so that many could come from him. What's that mean? 
that you take on the image of Jesus. How many of you say, but how many of you get caught doing something, someone judges you because judgment is of God? Someone judges you according to the fruit and says, you know, what you did was wrong. And like, I'm not Jesus. Well, you're in the likeness of Jesus. So get like him. We can't use that phrase to give room to sin. We need to constantly remind ourselves he's conformed and transformed this man into the image of his son. So when I'm confronted with these things, I need to face the image in which I'm made of. Familiarity with the son. Let's read another passage. And I'm going to read again from Paul. And it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And he says this. But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And here it is. We're being transformed into the same image. <laughs> From glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So powerful. Oh, Abraham. Oh, me today. I feel like the Lord is, is pushing and, and calling us to respond differently. From a place of a deeper surrender. And in that place where he calls Moses and when he calls Abraham a friend, it's where his great call on your life, it's where his great purpose for your life is. We're in that lifestyle of total surrender, in responding in total surrender. In that place, now you take familiarity with who I am. Now you take the image of Christ. Isn't that amazing? My responding to surrender will transform my image to that of the Son. So Abraham was called the friend, the companion, and even in one translation, the lover of God. Moses, it says, and God spoke to Moses up on the mountain, the way a friend, face to face, the way a friend speaks to a friend. So, as we close and as we think about responding looks like surrender, I want to leave you with this and think, ask you some questions to kind of evaluate your heart there and your life and your surrender and your response. How many are recognizing that your commitment is being tested? If, he's, if your commitment is being tested, maybe there's a response that God is wanting you to, to respond in and it sounds like a surrender. So second question, is he calling you to respond and is the image of it, does it look like surrender? Like, what else can we do? We're going to continue to do it in our own strength. We're going to continue to carry it. Or does responding, the whole image, the whole picture of this, it looks like my life now. I got to come from a better place and a better place of surrendering. Because this great call to respond and surrender is to bring you to a place of your greatest calling. What is the greatest calling in your life? The greatest calling in your life is actually to be made into the image of his son. 
That's the greatest calling in your life. Is to be made into his image. Companion, lover, familiar. So, have you lost that image? Have you lost that image? Respond. If you've lost that image, if you recognize commitments being tested, respond may look like your surrender today. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. So many passages I read last week when it came to surrender. Uh, you can listen to the podcast and go back. I don't have to repeat them, but go back and listen to them. A very important one is the one that I read in Hebrews when Jesus where he is the the great example of what surrender looks like but this is what I want you to do as we're in his presence close your eyes if you want and you don't do what you want to do and what you need to do right now but I want you right now just to get with him and I want you right there as you're with him. I want you to really examine yourself. Abraham, I have something else for you. And I want to see that, I want to see even in this if you still got it. I want to see if it's, if it sounds deeper than when it did when you first said it. I want to see if the response is deeper than when you first responded. So I've presented before you many things, not to tempt you, but to test your commitment, to see if you would respond from a greater place of surrender. Come on, how many of you is the Lord really tugging at your heart to respond? And your response today, you needed to hear this because it looks like total surrender. Again, you got to say, Lord, here I am. Again, send me. Here I am. And maybe that here I am comes from a deeper place. I believe responding and surrender is going to deepen your worship. It's going to deepen your prayer. Come on, it deepens your growth with him and all the other points that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. But it's going to deepen this lifestyle, this companionship, this lovership, this familiarity that God is calling you to. It'll deepen in the place of responding in total surrender. How many of you like Abraham? Today your response looks like total surrender. This is what I would love for you to do and I believe the Lord would love for you to do. The altar is open. If you want to come up here to the front, you could get on your knees. You could lift up your hands. To be honest with you, you could lay on the floor. It doesn't, I don't care right now what you do. But if you need to come up to the front, be more than, you're more than welcomed. But right there where you're at, whether you're standing, whether you're sitting, or whether you've come to the front, 
I believe God is calling you to respond. And I believe that you need to release that response today. And you need to respond in total surrender. And you know what God's calling you to. Maybe something you picked up along the journey. And yet again, he's calling you to surrender. But I believe that today God wants not just for you to have this relationship. He wants to have this relationship with you. And he wants to receive and honor your surrender. So how many of you are being called to respond in such a fashion? The altar is open. But I want you, wherever you're at, to give him that response of surrender. And let inside of you, let a miracle, let something greater begin to take place between you and God right now. Come on, give that to him. I'm going to invite you to pray if you want to pray. You're in church. You don't have to stay quiet. This is not work where you're in a cubicle. And you got to keep it at a low minimal. Come on, we're amongst family here. If you need to cry out, you have the freedom to cry out in his house today. If you want to sing a song, you have the freedom to sing a song. If you want to pray, you have the freedom to pray. But I believe the Lord is calling you right now to respond and respond and surrender. You and God, God in you.